Hello and welcome to the 18th episode of the Pepper Podcast. We are finally back from our hiatus, so for those who are returning, welcome back. And if you are new, the Pepper Podcast covers a wide range of spicy events that occur in our daily lives. Two high school students tackle heated topics through discussion. I am your host, Jay Mehta, and joining me is my co-host, Andy Watsanos-Gunpen. And today's topic will be discussing poaching and its devastating impacts on wildlife, populations, and local economies that depend on endangered species. The poaching market is so large that illegal wildlife trafficking is a business worth $5 to $23 billion a year, and around 30,000 species are driven to extinction every year, according to the Center for Biological Diversity. Yeah, so, poaching. Let's first define what poaching is, Yeah. right? It's the illegal trafficking and killing of wildlife. So a lot of this usually happens in countries rich in like biodiversity. So they have a lot of like unique animals with say ivory or like furs that other people want. And these things get traded mostly on the black market where as Jay mentioned, it's a five to $23 billion industry. So it's a really huge industry in general. And it poses a threat to not just the animals that's getting killed, but also the ecosystem in general. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, once you start messing with those critical players in the food chain and the ecosystem, it really, you know, takes a toll on the whole ecosystem. Yeah. So going off your data, Andy, uh, so I just found some like a piece of statistic that says that uh, it was a statistic from in Brazil from 2012 to 2019. And it was trying to measure, you know, how many animal species were illegally taken away from Brazil. And it showed that in this study, approximately 160 animal species were illegally taken away from Brazil uh, between 2012 and 2019. Uh, Most of which, which was 38 percent, were fish, followed by birds, then mammals, then reptiles, then amphibians. Um, And so, you know, in Brazil, of course, like you said about um, there being a lot of diversity, Brazil, the Amazon rainforest, that ecosystem completely thrives on diversity. And taking these animals away, especially illegally, is reducing the biodiversity in that ecosystem, which is statistically makes it uh, harder for these ecosystems to combat (laughs) stressors, environmental stressors. And eventually these ecosystems can succumb to these negative impacts that we're creating. Right. And I think that um, a large part of the story that goes untold is we don't necessarily know how bad poaching is. Number one, because it's illegal, right? Nobody's going to report it. And number two, only six countries collect and keep detailed data on poaching. And those countries include South Africa, Kenya, Mozambique, Namibia, Botswana, and India. And these countries, you know, they get those data. And I'll just list a few. For example, um, rhino poaching is likely to increase by 356% by 2030. And every year, 35,000 elephants in Botswana are slaughtered. And it's not just the animals that are getting killed. People are also getting killed. Nearly two rangers a week are killed protecting the wildlife that, you know, poachers are after. So it's not just the animal lives. It's also human lives that are getting lost in this trade. Yeah. But because, I guess, a main driving point behind that is because it's so profitable that, you know, people are willing to take risks to you know, achieve uh, their main goal, which of course is poaching. And so, you know, with that, there comes a decrease in biodiversity, um, a decrease, you know, human life is lost. Uh, like you said, around two people, uh, two rangers are killed every week. Right, right. And, you know, it's just really a negative impact that we're creating on our ecosystem. Um, not only to mention, like, we're creating a lot of kind of 
conflicting viewpoints on this, especially because like African elephants, especially now I saw in a study that their tusk sizes were actually decreasing in size uh, due right. to artificial selection where right. uh, through, you know, artificial selection where the, uh, the poachers would try and kill the, uh, the elephants with the biggest tusks right. Right. Uh, right. because right. they had the most ivory. The yeah. elephants started to reproduce with, uh, or more elephants that were you know small that had smaller tusks reproduced, yeah. Uh, yeah. which yeah. you know now uh, some data has shown that tip- statistically the elephants with smaller tusks are more likely to survive, and that's why there's more abundant of a population of them. And so you know, but more African elephants are being killed for ivory than are being born. So there is a negative population increase in of African elephants, and so even though that they're tusk sizes are smaller they're still being killed more than they can be born Mm -hmm. and so they're dying and we're creating more and more endangered populations and like you said approximately or like i said actually thirty thousand species per year are being driven to extinction that's around three per hour so that's very very good i mean that's pretty bad considering you know right large largely due to a multitude of factors whether even though poaching does play a significant role in that of course of course and so just looking at that, it's a lot of alarming statistics that we really right, need to right. bring up. And of course, you know, we've had, we've passed legislation that has, uh, you know, tried to combat like poaching and just illegal trading, mm-hmm. which is, of mm-hmm. course, CITES. Um, for those who don't know what CITES is, is the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora. And so it's an international agreement between governments and it's, aim is to ensure that international trade in specimens of wild animals and plants does not threaten the survival of species. And so they try to prevent, you know, the uh, trafficking of illegal animals and or the, you know, the illegal uh, killing of animals. And so that like very significantly helped in reducing the amount of poaching. But again, like I said, it's very profitable, which is enticing to people. Um, in high biodiversity areas, which leads to uh, continued poaching to this day. Right, right. And I think one of the things that you mentioned about the elephant tusks is really interesting. Even though it's a really morbid, morbid like situation, yeah. I think it's really interesting to see you know descent with modification uh, happening in like our lifetime. Yeah. Right. Like while it's not necessarily the environment, it is the environment that's affecting the traits that they have and that they're passing on it's the environment that we've created that they found that elephants you know with smaller tusks are on the rise because um because they're less likely to get killed because mm-hmm. they have less ivory same thing with uh rhinos yeah. they've ha- they have less uh of their horn which is good and bad right good because they get poached less but also bad because naturally rhinos use those horns and elephants also use those uh tusks you know, for mating stuff and other biological functions that wouldn't be playing as big of a role now because they're sh- they're literally shrinking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's definitely impacted the their ecosystems and has really kind of altered uh, the way mm-hmm. things are in that environment. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, um, approximately three rhinoceroses are killed by poachers on average a day, and there are once dozens of rhinoceros species, and now only five remain. Um, so it's definitely decreasing in right. size and poaching these large animals that are probably the top of the food chain, um, these quaternary species, you know, they right, right. 
with you know kind of an altering image of them that makes them maybe a little bit like less um, intimidating or you know just kind of decreases uh, their tusk size, which is probably you know used for some kind of function. Of course, like rhinoceroses use right. rhinos use their uh, I guess their horns uh, for yeah you know just daily day to day function. And if that's you know decreasing in size, that's probably going to negatively impact their ability to hunt for food. You know, continue mm-hmm. to eat and thrive in their normal society. So it's definitely changing the way that uh, rhinos are living today and elephants are living today. And it's making it a lot easier to be predated on. And so on top of that, just looking at biodiversity, you know, going back to biodiversity, I just found a statistic and this is just very alarming. Uh, Biodiversity in Latin America has decreased by approximately 83% since the 1970s. So that is quite shocking shocking to me i mean 83 yeah. percent yeah. is quite a large number um and that might be taken a little bit out of context I'm not too sure i'll mm-hmm. look more into it but it could be possibly true because with you know in latin america of course we have amazon rainforest and everything with there's other factors that are contributing to poaching um right. and so first of all we have to also address the issue of logging and clear cutting that is exposing these animals and biodiversity that is decreasing sorry that is decreasing the biodiversity um exposing these animals um could change or alter the their ecosystems and would disrupt the food web that they have in that environment and so like Mm -hmm. i said about you know about thirty thousand species per year are being driven to extinction a possible cause of that like you said uh, there's multiple causes walking could be a big proponent of it um, and right. on top of that, that might expose some species to be poached, uh, makes it a lot easier for them to be maybe seen. And so what we're seeing is that a lot of biodiversity is decreasing uh, statistically and horn sizes are decreasing. And we're seeing just a negative kind of backtracking that right. is trying to right. fit right. the norm of today's society. And another big proponent of it is fashion and I guess trends. Mm-hmm. And we can maybe get into that later. But yeah. <laughs> a lot of uh, fashion, fast fashion is killing. Uh, we can right. get, and that's another uh, another day for another episode, another topic yeah. for another episode. <laughs> but it's fast fashion is causing a lot of issues, you know, that requires a lot of resources. And on top of that, just normal daily fashion and trends, um, something very tasty, according to, um, you know, just these people that are eating shark fin soup. A lot of uh, sharks are being killed for shark fin soup and so it's right the people kill more than 100 million sharks throughout the world each year often illegally to make shark fin soup and so these should i guess even though it's like it's it's a specialty it's like a uh it's not something that's very easily found and so because of it because of its rarity because of its scarcity it's often sought after more uh kind of feel to feel like the desire uh of people's greed you know to maybe create yeah. a sensation that they've not felt before. And right. so that thinking and that kind of idea is mm-hmm. causing a lot of um, right. of a decrease in biodiversity and a lot of poaching. Right, right. And the elusivity you said, you have those like delicacies. And um, I was just going to mention, I actually did have an experience with shark fin soup over the summer because in Thailand, they actually had it and I refused to go like, I refused to eat it at all, like, yeah. you know, because I knew how much of a problem that 
um, poaching of sharks and killing them for their fins is. I just refused to eat anything that was like associated with that shark fin soup. But yeah, it's it's very much um, ordered by a lot of uh, foreign tourists yeah. because it's like, oh, this is exotic. This is something I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that attitude can be transferred into like the mind of a poacher, right? They see a tiger. It's like, oh, that's exotic. I can make whatever with their fur or with their heads or a rug, whatever. It's it's a de- it's a detrimental um, attitude that doesn't just harm the person but harms other people and as you said the animals and ecosystem and speaking of like delicacies it culture has a really large part in poaching yeah if we're talking about like say there are some countries in africa like south africa for example traditionally it's like um they have their own cultural medicines and these medicines uh they have like animal parts in them for example china also has this you know, traditional Chinese medicine has animal parts and like it just uses a bunch of other things that are directly related from their culture that w- that does include poaching. And while if we look at it through the lens of a cultural standpoint, we could see how in the past it wasn't as problematic because poaching isn't wasn't as large scale and commercialized as it is today. It's also important to recognize that that also ha- plays a part in the poaching problem that we see currently. Yeah, and not to mention, like you said about culture and how um, China especially, they have uh, a lot of their traditional Chinese medicines and homeopathic practices use various animal products and byproducts. Um, and so on top of that, China also coerces and uses their power um, as a global superpower at this point. Um, I think right. I consider them a global superpower. Yeah. They're using their <laughs> influence to pressure countries around them for their um, their resources. So India, for example, um, China is or China has pressured India to export many of their big cats and megafauna. Tigers, leopards, and other big cats are in high demand for their claws, skins, and bones in various Asian countries. And so this has driven up the poaching and trading rates of many endangered wild cats. And Indian elephants on top of that have felt the pressure and have been known to be poached all across India. And so again, there's this kind of uh, idea where something is sought after, after, and especially with a country with high um influence in that area it makes it a lot easier for these countries to kind of enforce their Mm -hmm. ideas onto and exert pressure onto their nearby countries and so like i said myanmar which is very close to china is unfortunately Mm -hmm. known to be a dominant global hub of illegal trade and they form one-third of the uh, illegal wildlife market the golden triangle which is a high traffic area for smugglers and wildlife trade and so it's Tigers are a big part of their trade as well. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, just materials are transported to maybe a certain area and that's kind of dispersed. And so this happens with, of course, there are, are some countries that don't have asterisk regulations or have mm-hmm. uh, officers or personnel that are public safety officers that are bribed to kind of bat their eye, you know, against it right, and kind of right, be right. blind, like blindsided away from it. And mm-hmm. so this lets uh, the people, you know, continue to poach and is definitely contributing to the problem that we, that we really have today. Right. And I couldn't agree with you more. So let's move on to yeah. some ways that poaching has been monitored over the years. Right. Yeah. So 
I know that, you know, poaching has the, a lot of these countries, especially in Africa, because they are often the victim or the hub of the world to go for poaching. And yeah. they have these like reservations or conservation projects to kind of preserve the natural ecosystem of endangered animals that are subject to high rates of poaching. And I think that it's a really, really good and important thing that they have those there. But also, as technology increases, we have new technology to track animals more precisely and more in real time, essentially. So we have like hidden cameras in nature. So you've seen like those trail cameras that hunters use that will like capture something if something moves in front of it. Well, these cameras, they kind of monitor at all times the well-being of the group or of the animal species. And there's a lot of them, right? Because animals don't just stick in one place. And something else that they've been using is like hidden GPS trackers yeah, inside yeah. the animals. Like they'll literally like install it in, say, a horn of a rhino or inside the body of an elephant. So we can just see how, where they're going and also if anything happens to them. Because there's also stress monitors on those GPS trackers mm -hmm. that report data in real time. Yeah. And they say like, oh, this animal stressed, so that it's cause for concern. So you would take, say, the authorities to go and check on the well-being of the animal. Yeah, they're, yeah, dispatch. And right. so according to the NIH going, NIH going on top of that, um, just going off of that information, like there are anti-poaching uh, anti solutions and we have right. two categories, you know, one part being detection and one part being prevention. And so in detection, we have perimeter-based technology, ground-based technology, right. aerial-based technology, and animal tagging technology. And then in prevention, we have diplomacy, negative reinforcement, law enforcement, and demand reduction. And right. these are all um, ways to, you know, decrease poaching and mm -hmm. have been very effective. Um through a lot of means, you know, with, of course, diplomacy being sites, um, right. more f money being funded into law enforcement and to uh, a technology that is alerting law enforcement and has really kind of shaped the way, um, and especially in current years, decreased poaching. And so since 2015 right. and in the last decade, um, since in the last decade, 9,885 African rhinos have been lost to poaching. But since 2015, poaching has decreased. Um, and so in 2020 and 2021, uh, rhino poaching has been at or under 500. And compared to in 2015, where they were above 1,250, this is a right. definite win in our book. But still, we need to, um, I guess, monitor the, like, I guess, continue to monitor poaching and try to decrease right. it as much as possible because, you know, there are a lot of mm -hmm. species that are dying and are going extinct, especially the northern white rhino. I think right. uh, there's, I think, one or two uh, rhinos still alive now at this point. Right. But right. Um, it they were hunted and poached, uh, and because of it, they were not able to really fend for themselves. And so as a result of it, they've, they are quite near extinction and so it's very difficult for them to uh, try to you know thrive again but we need to continue to monitor um, more endangered species and possibly like you said maybe another kind of solution would be to fund uh, areas that are most likely right, you know right. not really or like I guess 
kind of corrupt in that area of like throwing a blind side or something to mm-hmm. poaching and trying to invest or in areas that are trying to combat poaching but are cannot afford it through because of economic reasons trying to fund right. that and push that uh to become a more you know strong unit that is like decreasing poaching that would you know help in the long run so i mean there's a lot of solutions to this but it's because of like ethical and legal issues and of course right. you know like imp- not imposing on another country's sovereignty it's very difficult to combat the full problem right and i completely agree but there's one thing that i wanted to mention was the statistics that like the rhinos have been poached less in 2020 2021 i think partially that can be attested to you know covid and the travel restrictions because most of these poachers do come from more Uh, wealthy countries say for example australia new zealand the united kingdom the united states canada they are they are hubs for sending poachers and there's a lot there are big coaching communities there and you know with those travel bans it's harder to get to those areas with those animals Mm -hmm. but there's also there's also data to support that in recent years efforts to decrease poaching you know more anti-poaching uh, legislation has been passed, more anti-poaching sentiment, and there's just um, some other solutions that I'll talk about soon, have really actually seen decreases in in some areas of poaching, which, as I, I agree, is a win. But I think that there are some solutions that I personally think I'm on the border on. For example, uh, I learned about these poaching auctions so there's a time period where you um had to go to this convention thing and this is protected by the government because they, they've gone through the necessary legal troubles to get it protected but you basically say oh which animals do you want to post like what's your trophy animal and so it's an auction so each time it's it's running essentially like the same thing but instead of items of like antiques and stuff, it's animals. So say a rhino can go for $300,000 to hunt one rhino and whatever. So you, if you pay that much money, right, mm-hmm. you can actually go to the country and poach the rhino. But you pay a really hefty price, which that money would then be used for research, conservation at the conservation place and the reserve but where i stand on this is really unclear i haven't fully developed my opinion because Mm -hmm. i think that you know you can see it in both ways like you're actually kind of encouraging the legalization and the normalization of poaching and using it as a commodity but at the same time it brings away you know revenue from the black market it brings away you know the highly illegal activity because as we all know Whenever you make something illegal or ban it, it's going to come back and sometimes even more than it would if it wasn't right. illegal, yeah. right? And and not to so, mention yeah. – oh, sorry to cut you off. No, I was just going to ask, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think that's definitely controversial, right? It's a controversial idea. But right, right. You, we also have to point out that there is another side to this where – poaching and hunting is a part of the economy of that area and is kind of is used as an income source and so 
a lot of local areas need or food or money to survive and sometimes these species are the only you know things available and so personally i know somebody um who has whose family runs a farm in ethiopia i believe that um hunts for just hunts but also sells the hunting or i guess the um, animal for profit but the profit is distributed among the local village and is used to kind of boost the area into a better developed area and so that positively impacts the the social or the human aspect of things uh here but i guess it comes down to a question of is it ethical and that of course is always debated and that's continued to being debated but it's hard to really place a line, and I guess the, oh, a big reason of why this is so controversial is that this is one of those gray line issues where it's very hard to find kind of a medium between what is considered ethical and what is considered not ethical when it comes to poaching. Um, right. Of course, it's not good to, my, I guess my stance is, it's not good to uh, kill an endangered or, uh, species, but there comes a point where there might be, you know, societies that thrive on not necessarily poaching, but hunting. Right. And what may be considered poaching in one country may not be considered poaching in another. Um, and also on top of that, you know, poaching or I guess the idea of animal hunting can bring revenue for some societies. And right. so I guess in, if more legislation is passed in that area, it would hinder the kind of just the ability for people to live the lives that they had and mm -hmm. there would be a decrease in an in income source and it would just probably right. collapse right. not the animal ecosystem but would uh, collapse our ecosystem uh, socially mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so it's kind of a gray line topic but still i mean the ivory trade is probably the biggest of all right um right. poaching and mm -hmm. so it's not just elephants, though. Um, it's right. a lot of different ivory tusks, you know, hippopotamus, yeah. walrus, yeah. narwhal, right. mammoth, right. and but most co commonly African Asian elephants. So right. we are bringing attention to Asian elephants um, and African elephants, but we're not bringing attention to hippos and walruses and narwhals. Um, yeah. And so yeah. because of that, I think the best way to combat poaching is of course you know we can pass diplomacy but enforcement enforcement's a big part especially in countries mm -hmm. that uh, may have high corruption rates or right. have you know not the greatest enforcement uh law enforcement yeah. um but also we need to bring awareness to the situation in a factor of not just exploring the kind of grandiose okay we see the elephants we see the rhinos we see these big big names but we need to look maybe towards the small things and we need to look towards, okay, what are people hunting and where, why did they want it? Right. Um, mm -hmm. and also killing the trend of, uh, fashion in the sense where it's like a, something rare, um, and something, I think you said like a delicacy is considered, you know, a high priced item and eliminating that thinking would probably better benefit our society to increase right. or kind of hopefully, have the biodiversity bounce back um, because mm -hmm. I mean we need biodiversity in our 
in our ecosystems to continue to right, right. create um, a lot of these like services that we have today. Um, and so I guess it all just, it's kind of a gray line, but right. I guess that's my thoughts. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And I agree with the enforcement thing because, as you said, some countries will be kind of pushing back on those uh, more strict legislation because, you know, they, they know that, that act, the, the act of poaching is a lot of revenue for their own economy. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to talk about some more solutions, but there was one glaring solution that I just completely skipped over. But the dehorning, detusking, whatever, of the animals, mm -hmm. right? Like, especially for rhinos. Like you said, there was the northern white rhino, and there were only a, few, a handful left in the world before extinction. But a lot of what these reserves do is they'll dehorn the rhinos mm. in a way that it's healthy, but what poacher would want to go after a rhino with no ivory, with no horn, yeah. right? And it has shown to significantly reduce the amount that uh, that they get poached. But, yeah, and I think that also just more information, as more data comes out, it's easier to fight poaching in general because, you know, it's, it's just better to have more information, especially if we uh, take into consider drones being used in these countries. And in recent years, there's been more drones to track where these animals are moving and if there's any suspicious, you know, activity that's happening yeah. around them. But yeah, I think just at the, in the, at the end of the day, poaching is a very multifaceted uh, problem that requires a multitude of solutions to totally tackle because it's so lucrative and elusive mm -hmm. that it's just really hard to, you know, hold people accountable. Yeah. And another, I guess, another big thing is if you can't really help or try to change things uh, if you don't think that you can in your area or you don't feel that you're able to you know kind of be hands-on donating is yeah. a great way to kind of help and but make sure you do your research and you donate to right. actually right. credible places uh, right. of course you know donating to these uh, like maybe some big name organizations that use the money towards um, funding and maybe like exactly hands-on may be good mm -hmm. but of course, do your research to make sure that the money that you're donating is being put to good use. But I found right. an article by the American Wildlife Foundation that explores five big reasons why poaching is still continuing, which I think is like, I'll just highlight like the top, the, the five big things. So enforcement and protection, um, despite the global consensus that condemning poaching um, is important, they are really the places where endangered wildlife needs to thrive. And so right. it's difficult for these countries to enforce it, um, maybe through um, something I'm about to get into, lack of economic opportunity. And so the right. lack of um, the money or just the fiscal amount that they can afford is not very high. So it's very <clears> difficult <throat> for these countries to afford um, proper enforcement. And so the per capita right. gross national product in the DRC, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, is just four hundred thirty dollars compared to five thousand three hundred four hundred. Sorry, five thousand fifty three thousand four hundred and seventy dollars in the United States. Not wow. five thousand three hundred. Fifty three thousand four hundred seventy dollars in the United States versus four hundred thirty in the DRC. And wow. so, a lot of these um, maybe lower income countries that do not have a higher 
uh, gross national product typically have with of course high biodiversities typically have right. more poaching uh, which is unfortunate um, trade right. ban enforcement and so again like I said um, creating mm-hmm. you can pass all the policy you want but if it's not implemented it doesn't really matter um, exactly so then also ivory stockpile sales so the United States in 2013 crushed 5.4 tons of ivory in its possession um, and so the logic was to kind of try to decrease the demand or which so it's a good idea but of course it doesn't really it's not really helping at this certain point because there's always a country that wants it um and so countries have you know can condemn the option but um others have just flooded the market with ivory and so it's a move that conservationists worry undermines the efforts and then also (laughs) probably the biggest which is public education um there are people that are not publicly educated about um poaching and illegal wildlife trading and really how big the economy is five billion when i heard five to 23 billion of course that's a very big number like a big range five to 23 is a very big range when it comes to billions but at least five billion dollars a year even at the worst five billion dollars a year like illegally selling animals and um uh, tusks and ivory and all resources that you know should not be you know hunted is very big and it's a very large amount and so i think publicly educating the size and the impact that we're creating and publicly educating people about how to stop it how to support um anti-poaching behavior and condemning that action i think is very important right i i completely agree and with that our discussion comes to an end we thank you for listening and hope you'll stay tuned for future episodes don't forget to follow the Pepper Podcast on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. Thank you. Thank you.